Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what are we okay. doing? We're live. Cool. I was going to say, what are we doing? Welcome to another episode well, of A um, few technical issues this morning, so uh, thank you for your patience, everybody, and hanging around for those few minutes while we got it all sorted out. Um, joined again by my good mate. Oh, far out. I got it wrong again. That way. <laughs> yeah, you got it wrong. That's it. Yeah, well, I guess I was very slow to make sure I got it there. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Listen, um, we haven't really sort of, we've we've had a bit of a a vacation for a little bit. Um, Not much has changed in the world, just more of the same crap. And Um, um, Well, I don't know, more of the same, but a lot of different stuff too. That recent thing with the Chinese gold was interesting, I thought. Yeah, that plus, um, you know, they're, they're uh, well, where can we go? Where can we go with the Chinese? I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, there you know, are a million ways. It's like a yeah. comrade like Wuhan down in Victoria. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, comrade Wuhan Dan, right? He's locking up all these people like some J- Jewish ghetto during the Nazi period, um, yeah. not allowing them out, all the rest of it. Um, it occurred to me today, um, you know, what occurred to me actually previously is I've got, a, I've got a theory on this one, but given that the Chinese have that lease on the port of port of Darwin and on the Meriden mm-hmm. Airport in WA, right? And, that yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're, it's a hundred year lease, so it's basically like the UK had with uh, with Hong Kong, um, and that they're now cracking down on both Chinese nationals and foreigners who speak out against the CCP or the PLA, and whether they're doing that in China or overseas Mm. um, or doing their best, it just basically means that I could never or anyone who's ever spoken out against them in principle could never even travel to the Port of Darwin or go to the Meriden Airport whilst they have that lease for fear of being detained in Australia by a foreign government. That's an interesting concept yeah. I hadn't. Um, that's an interesting concept I hadn't thought about before, uh, because there is. Um, I notice in other countries they they've set aside these places where it's actually another country's soil. Uh, Egypt's done it, for example. There's a, a whole new uh, industrial area where you can say it's made in Australia, even though it's actually made in in um, uh, Egypt. Or made in America, made anywhere in the world, but it's made in Egypt because it's it's now international soil, and you claim the soil as your own. If that's what's if that's what you're suggesting, then that's a frightening concept that we could travel somewhere in Australia and then be detained by another country rather than our own. If that's not bad enough, I hadn't considered that one. I wonder, I'm wondering what's in the actual contract of the lease. Well, you know the the concept of foreign foreign ownership, foreign sovereignty on one's own national soil isn't. I mean, I get it that sort of a, a concept. This concept specifically is something which a lot of people probably haven't thought about. But the the concept of sovereignty, foreign sovereignty on your own national soil is not new because every embassy in every country of the world yep. is the sovereignty of the country whose embassy it is. And yep. once, so you know, you go into the Australian embassy in. Tehran, you're in Australia, uh, just as if you go into, you know, the Ira- Iranian embassy anywhere, right? You're in Iran uh, or the Chinese embassy. So guess what? I ain't ever going to a Chinese embassy in Australia. 
I probably wouldn't be coming back out. Right? Um, well, I might be, but it'll be in the back of a black car in a bag with a butter bag over my head going straight to, to the airport to be taken to either Port of Darwin yeah, or Moody right. and then never be heard of from. Yeah, I know. Until, until, until until off, your family gets the bill for the bullet. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> now, I realise a lot of people say, oh, Paul, you're such a paranoid prick, you know, whatever. But and, and to a degree, I am pushing it to a limit, but that is what could happen to everyday people in Australia right now if you are speaking out in any way, even simply posting that thing about boycott China. And I realise how, yeah. how difficult that is to do, yeah, um, given, you know, the majority of stuff is produced in China. You know... <sighs> It's only produced in China because we got bloody lazy here, you know. Um, yeah, the whole car we got sold. We got sold a clock. Well, yeah, we get sold. We got sold a whole bunch of puppies squirming in a bag, right? And when we opened it up, it turned out to be a bunch of turtles or something because it was all lies, you know. Um, mm. The concept that it was wages that was too expensive and all this kind of thing—it's not. It, wages has nothing to do with it. It's just lazy. CEOs, lazy management deciding that, oh, look, you know, we'll just we'll just rationalise and reduce and we'll just buy from overseas. And meanwhile, overseas, I mean, China's not producing stuff out of sweatshops. It's producing it out of really uh, advanced robotic industries and, and that's why they're so cheap because they're, they're producing so much per hour that the wages rates is irrelevant. Yeah, and as you pointed out, we in Australia have some of the best robotic technology. Yeah. We're number one or number two when it comes to the quality of the um, building of robotics. Germany, I think, is consistently number one, but we're up there with Germany amongst the top two builders of robotics in the world. We're up there with the um, so, I mean, the so university. Hey? Sorry, I, was gonna, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I was going to say, what if... What if that whole, you know, shutting down the car industry was the inconvenient truth that they, they really, you know, what they really wanted to do was they really wanted to go and put robotics in, but the unions wouldn't wear it, right? The unions were going to go up in arms because, oh, we're going to lose all these jobs, right? So um, and as opposed to, hey, let's find, out, find other ways to employ these people. Now we're going to lose all these jobs by, by automating and putting robotics in. So instead of taking that step and keeping manufacturing in this country, and finding jobs for the people who were going to be put out of a job because of the robotics, what if, what if that was really the path of least resistance? Say, screw it all, we're shutting down, let it go to China, you know, and the problem is it's never going to come back unless someone has grows a pair to uh, actually put it in place. Well, that's a possibility, but I heard nothing in the news whilst this was all going on that would indicate that that was the case. I'm not saying it's not the case. I just saw nothing in the news or from the whispers around in the industry when I was in it, it was all happening while I was still in the industry. I, 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 that was nothing nothing that I heard, that the unions were uh, screwing them. Uh, they were no, I don't say the, sorry, I don't, I don't say the unions were screwing them. I'm not saying the unions were screwing them. They, no, sorry, misinterpretation there. I'm saying that if they had said what we want to do is we want to get more efficient and put robotics in, right, yeah. Then, then the unions would have gone up in arms. I'm not saying the unions are the bad guys here. Uh, quite the contrary. No, I understand. But yeah, you're saying that they yeah. didn't even go down that road, yeah, because they they feared that's what the outcome would be. Mm. 
as opposed to having a conversation like, guys, you know, we've got X thousand workers in this industry. What we want to do is we want to make it more efficient so that we can keep manufacturing onshore in Australia. So what we want to do is we want to find a way for um, our employees to be put into uh, gainful employment with us or in other industries mm. or whatever. Um, and for that, we need to go into robotics. Now, I, between you and me, I doubt that the auto industry would have had that approach, right? They would have just been, uh, we, you know, the bean counters would have been, there, like, where can we stripe? And that's what we want to go and do. But they didn't want to have that fight. And because also because if they had had that fight, later on when they did shut the whole dog and pony show down, right? It would have been it would have been worse. So this way I was just, oh, we can't afford it. We've got to get rid of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they, yeah, I don't know if, they, if, if the phrase they couldn't afford it was quite there. See, look, they kept saying that the, the home market is too small, and yet now we have something like 50 different brands in this country all competing for re, from continuously uh, uh, narrowing slices of the market, and there's still more coming in. If the market is that bloody small, how come so many brands are out there competing in that in that small market? They said we didn't have uh, an export. Well, we've been exporting since the 50s or 40s even, but certainly since the 50s and 60s, we were exporting everywhere to the Middle East. We were exporting to Japan. We, we were exporting to um, uh, Southeast Asia, to Africa. We were exporting, and not just Holdens and Fords, but they were things like Humbers and Hillmans and all this sort of stuff were being made CKD here. We had a massive export market. So, so what I'm saying is that they were using those lies rather than saying, you know what, it's just too, they were just saying it's too expensive, you don't have a market either here or overseas. And to me, that was simply a case of saying, we just want to suck our thumbs, pull out of the country and rationalise and reduce the number of, of um, production plants. Now, I mean, even Detroit is just about shut down. Detroit, the very heart of American motoring industry, along with Dearborn, in Michigan, those two cities, but you know, Detroit's just about shut down. There's no manufacturing, so it's not just Australia. It's just they're getting lazy, or maybe they're simply. Now we won't go. We won't talk about the elite and the one percent, will we? That would be a little bit. Um, uh, well, we bit Everybody's talking about that, but maybe it's just simply you know we don't want that many people uh, hanging hanging off our tip, so we're going to reduce the number of people. That could well I don't be. Know, but, yeah, well, it could be, you know, but, you know, I just hear so much rubbish coming from politicians. I hear so much rubbish coming from, from CEOs and leaders of industry. I mean, just look at Zuckerberg and he, when he was before the, um, the Senate House Committee, he couldn't answer questions about his own company. He was all at sea. They're just filling us with gas. They're just gaslighting us, everybody. Mm -hmm. And... and the people are just simply getting sick and tired of it, mate, I'll tell you. But the problem is, as I said to our mutual friend Simon on one of the posts he put on Facebook, um, and it was a really good post, and the woman said some really, really good stuff. But I said, okay, fine. We're all aware of the problem, but who's going to give us the road? Apart from wearing a flax jacket and standing in front of bloody government tanks, what's the road to fix the problem? I'm sick and tired of hearing what the problem is. I know what the problem is. I can see it. I can taste it. I can smell it. And it's all shit. You know, it's dog shit. Remember the Cheech and Chong thing? Oh, it looked like dog shit. 
Smell it. No. <laughs> we can smell it. We can taste it. But what, are we, what can we do about it? Are we just got to sit back and lie on our back, spread our legs and think of England while they screw us? I don't know, but I wish somebody would give us a road out of it That's instead of just bad. talking about how bad it all is. Yeah, I think, and I think that's part of the problem. You know, um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you a better mic because I keep hearing myself back. <laughs> that's yeah, gonna happen. I'm in one the day. process of looking for a good mic. Maybe I should turn this down I'm a bit. Blinding. Hang on. Um, where are we? Turn it down to sixty percent. I don't know. Does that this sound a little bit better? Oh, there you go, beauty. It does. Beauty, actually. Yeah. I don't hear as much, so that's even better. So, and I, I'm sure. Sorry, <laughs> you can't hear me now. Yeah, I can hear you. What was that? Oh, <laughs> uh, the one that the eight. <laughs> I could probably put some headphones on. Don't mind the look of it. I put some headphones on. Hell, you know. Yeah, go on, mate. Whatever. It's actually a lot better now. Don't worry. It's good. Oh no, you're gone. Anyways, that's <laughs> while we're while we're waiting for uh, for Patrick to come back, we're going to go and get into. And hey, by the way, don't you like uh, Thomas the Tank Engine uh, behind me? Anyway, so quite se <laughs> seven year old doodling. So um, we're I'm Patrick back. was about to get. In, you're back, okay? Patrick's about to get into some really cool stuff. Go on, mate. No, don't. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't look professional enough. <laughs> oh, mate. Doesn't get much better than that. For everyone who's on the podcast version of this, Patrick's just put on some very stylish head, head, headphones. So that's pretty cool. Um, anyway, where, where, where were you going with that, mate? You can call me Wingnut now. Wingnut. Okay, now, you're all, yeah. now, you, now, you, now your microphone's gone down. Doesn't matter. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, That's a bit better. This is what happens when you do live shit. You know, we should have just. <laughs> yeah, I've got to get a better microphone and a better setup. That's coming. Although, really, what I'm trying to do is to uh, put money into this new business idea I've got and, and a new a new vlog that I want to start. But we'll talk about that later. Um, we were talking about. Um, hang on, now I've got echo. Screw that. <laughs> Just go back to where you were, mate. Say something so I know we can hear you. No, we can't hear you. So your mic's really gone. No. And the problem is going to be that I am. There I am. Oh, there you go. Excellent. Anyway, do you want to go on to the, on the Chinese gold thing or are we going to keep going on the, the cars? Okay. That was an interesting thing. You know, a few months ago, we in the paper, they were saying how uh, China is the third largest holder of gold, but they're the largest buyer. They're just buying more and more and more and more. And then this story comes up that there's this development company and they're developing land and buildings and so forth. And so they, they put up something like it was $13 billion in gold, hard gold, ingots, as collateral for about 40 billion US dollars in loans. And then it was discovered that in the center of the ingots wasn't gold, it was bronze or in some cases titanium, but it wasn't gold. So the question I have now is, you know what, we know that the CCP 
along with others, of course, but the CCP is, is prominent in, in just saying whatever they want to say and making it up as they go along. So one wonders now, I mean, just how much of their gold actually exists, number one. Number two, the gold that does exist, how much of it is real gold and how much of it is centred with something else and so it's worth about a quarter of what it really is. And if that is the truth, and we're already talking $13 billion with just one transaction. One transaction was 13 or $13.5 billion US dollars worth. If that's the case, then suddenly the, the whole uh, economic structure, global economic structure, will be affected. And if you think it's not going to be affected, let me, let me just point this out. There is a particular period in, um, in the Indian calendar where it's the wedding season. And, of course, the brides are literally dripping with mm -hmm. gold jewellery. Now, they buy so much gold during that wedding season, that one country, that it directly affects the price of gold. So, and that's just gold jewellery. What it's if crazy. a substantial proportion of the, of the Chinese gold stocks is fake? What will that do? Well, and you're a finance man. You might be, you'll answer the question better than I can. What would happen to the global economy if it was discovered that their gold was not gold? At that, at that well, level, that So two, two things will happen. One, many things will happen, but two major things will happen. One is the economies of the world probably won't be affected because no currency is based on gold anymore. It's all based on ones and zeros. However, what will happen is that the value of those gold reserves when, that can be proven to be real gold will increase exponentially. And that will and then possibly drive some people back to gold. And China's go down. I'd love that to happen. I'd love that to happen because I reckon, indeed, their 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 gold is just this one big Trojan horse full of lead and nickel and titanium, yeah. whatever else. Yeah, you know, or bronze. Yeah, we know what comes out of China is yeah. It, we we know everything that comes out of China is cheap and cheerful. And why should their gold be any different? The only thing that's ever lasted to come out of China lasted more than a month. Is this whole COVID thing? That's the only thing. <laughs> I know their cars don't last a month. I tell you right now. Um, yeah, yep. it's it's so, it's astonishing that that um, um, there, there's something like fourteen or fifteen banks involved in China, all Chinese bank, and most of them state-owned banks, and they all got screwed by this. I reckon there must be. A lot of very very anxious um, apparatchiks in um, in China going through and sniffing out all the gold just to make sure what their reserves are because um, that was very embarrassment. You know what the problem is though, right? The gold industry works on trust. Now I know some people who have been in the gold industry as long as I've been in PVC, right? Forever and actually yeah. longer. Like uh, I know the seventy year old dude in Australia who's who's like, he's been in it for half a century. And the gold industry works a lot on trust, not because they say, hey, here's our reserves, this is what it's worth, but no, they take a sample of the gold and they test it, right? So if you have a, if you have a shipment, you know, of whatever, you know, 10 kilos, something like that, or even larger, and all, there are all these bullshit size uh deals that are out there um but even just a small shipment of say 10 kilos well, they're not going to go and test all 10 kilos 
right? It's not going to happen. Yeah. Or 100 kilos. They're not going to test the whole. They'll, take, they'll test the sample. And they trust that the sample they test is true of the remaining deposit. And so, you know, what did they test? I don't know what quantity they tested for this multi-billion dollar deal, but clearly someone handed them fair dinkum gold. They tested it. Yeah, beauty. Well done. Move it into the vault. It's 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 as classic as that, uh, you know, any of those movies which talk about, you know, robbing the Federal Reserve of notes that are going to be destroyed, basically. Mm -hmm. Right? Because they're not being missed. And once... Once the, the test has happened and it's been confirmed, all they need to do is chuck it in the vault. And once it's in the vault, well, it's gold. Well, the you other know? thing is, of course, if they, if they use the right material in the centre that has the right specific gravity, then they just weigh the bar and it's, you know, it doesn't matter which bar they pick up. I mean, titanium, as you know, is a very dense material like gold, so maybe they just it's got the right specific gravity. Um, yeah, and they therefore, would have used the mix to get the weight right because, uh, yeah. uh, a, you know, a gold a trader, a trader bar of, of bullion has a certain weight, right? Don't ask me, I don't know it anymore, right? But it has a specific weight, everyone knows mm -hmm. it, right? It has a certain <laughs> size and a certain weight. All they need to do is get the right mix of materials in between, enough of the coating on the outside. And then you've got uh, you've got the same thing. Now a lot of people said the Nazis did the same thing um, during their time, although they had a whole bunch of real gold because they kept stealing it from the Jews and everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, you know why why should the CCP be any and PLA be any different, right? So it makes you wonder what's happening. But indeed, no, I can't see that any global currency, any fiat currency, will drop because nothing's based on gold anymore, right? Maybe it should be, but then if we can't trust gold. Well, that, that was the point I was getting at. The Suddenly the governments would start looking at their own bloody whatever reserves they have and start getting very worried about what they have in stock. They'd have to go drilling through the centre of them to make sure they're gold all the way through. Um, that's going to be a massive yeah. massive undertaking because suddenly there will be no... The, the, the trust in gold bullion will have, will have gone through the floor. Which brings me to another question. Yeah. And, and I've heard people say before that they're not going to buy gold because the most undervalued metal at the moment and one of the most potential easy use is uh, silver and it's completely undervalued mm. let's imagine i'm not talking zombie um apocalypse or anything like that, but let's say that there is a, a certain crash and so we all got to start using alternative methods of transacting gold is going to be too awkward you've got to shave it you've got to sand it to get a small amount silver is far more easily distributed and, and used and, and so forth. And yet at the moment, it's very, very cheap. Nobody seems to be buying silver in great great amounts, although I was speaking to somebody the other day and they said, yeah, actually I bought something like about 400 kilos of it and I've put it in plastic pipes and sealed the ends and I buried it in various places in the bush. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's extreme. But there are some people who have already seen the value of silver being well under where it should be, and they're already picking up on it and buying it. Yeah, that's, not, that's, 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 that's a valid argument, right? It's a valid argument. It's one that keeps coming up 
every so often <clears throat> when the price of gold goes crazy or whatever, the, the, the focus shifts to silver and gold. And indeed, you know, hey, it's not about reserves. It really isn't, right? It's, it's, it's gold's, gold's attraction um, is really historical. The only other thing about gold is it doesn't oxidize, apparently. That's one of the things I've understood. Silver can oxidize, yada, yada, yada. Gold is, the reason, you know, gold is so favored is because it doesn't oxidize and, you know, therefore deteriorate and all the rest of it, or has a lot longer to do that. But um, if you look at the, you know, look at the gold reserves in the ground, um, bar a few places around, you know, around the traps, the greater majority of gold reserves are in such a location that using current technology, it would cost way more to dig it up than it would ever be worth. That is the huge problem with gold. It's not like we don't have enough gold reserves. We do. There's gold everywhere, right? Not everywhere, but there's a load of gold around. The trouble is digging it up, getting at it. And then when you do, the chemicals and shit you need to use oh, yeah. to refine it, another piece All the arsenic so, and, and all that sort of um, stuff. Yeah, mercury, arsenic, all that sort of shit, right? So, um, yeah, but you're absolutely right. Go governments should be looking at what they have and start asking the questions. Where do we buy this? When do we buy this? Um, can we trust it? Yeah. Now, the problem, of course, is if they go and investigate every last bar they have, again, the chemicals and shit and the cost of going and doing that will far exceed the value of the gold that they have in the long run, you know, especially if they start finding a whole bunch of titanium and lead in the middle. Well, you know, and this is coming back to what I started to say right at the beginning. How do we, how do, how do we learn to trust what and whom and from where it, what we're trusting comes from? You know, you made, there was a, a thing that you shared and I made a comment. You said, oh, you better fact check that, you know. Um, Which one so was that? It oh, it was about. It's that I tell you, you know, to that, something. <laughs> it was about uh, that. There was that um, African-American who was talking about the uh, the Democrats and how they're racist oh, from the beginning. The well, that's you're you're not necessarily now, right? No, 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 no. Your comment was fair enough. So I did. I just typed in fact-checking, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, about 30 sites came up, 15 of which were in support of your point of view and 15 which were in support of my point of view. Who the hell do you believe? Mm. You know, I'm just about to the point where, you know what, I'm not going to look and, at and, the and news. I realize, and I realise, you know. Yeah, and I, I realise that, you know, you're not a, a huge fan of Trump, Right. Um, because the interest, the interest, one of the, I was going to mention to you, one of the interesting things is that that same message, minus the Trump achievements, right? That same message about the Democrats, because that's that's historic, that's that's undenied. Yeah. They've never apologized for it, whatever, right? That same message about the Democratic Party uh, and their history about uh, black oppression, slavery, and all the rest of it. I've shared that in a number of forms over the period. And it's like, oh, Patrick hasn't commented on this. Now I've got one. <laughs> Uh, now I put one up which, which talks about Trump's achievements in addition to it, and he, he comments. Obviously, there's a, a like a trigger with run audio track. <laughs> well, so well, that was an interesting yeah. exercise. Yeah, I just yeah, I just but my, I'm coming back to my point about the gold. We can't trust our sources yeah. of information. We can't trust our politicians anymore. We can't trust. No, the news 
we can't trust the news because they've, they've become ideologues following either left, right, centrist or whatever, rather than just giving us basic facts about what's going on. And so how can you even trust the gold in that? That was the one thing we thought in the world that was ultra-reliable, ultra-stable, apart from price fluctuations. It was a stable product, it's, and its very nature is stability. As you said, it, was, it doesn't corrupt. Even the Bible talks about gold, how it doesn't corrupt, you know. So now we find that it's corruptible. So our whole, our whole uh, environment of information, our whole environment that makes us feel comfortable, secure, uh, managed is now shaken and, and falling apart because there's just no reliability. I mean, you don't know who to trust. And I would dare say that <coughs> whether it's <coughs> whether it's a right-wing news organisation or left-wing or a centrist or, or whatever, that even those, right, are actually faking it as well. So I might think, oh, the left is, is, is the root, is the truth, and you think the right's the truth. But in fact, they're both faking it to great, great degrees. We're Ooh. both being misled, uh, and maybe, maybe that's because they're both being controlled by somebody pulling the strings above them, and they want that confusion. They want that 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 um, split. Yeah, and that, and that makes perfect sense, right? How do you, how do you keep the masses under control? It's that whole, you know, and, and it's that tribal mentality. And the left and right wing of politics is nothing more than a very macro level tribal mentality. So you get yep. people aligning with left, aligning with right. Sometimes they're deserting to the other tribal, one tribe or the other, but you keep them aligned that way. And then it all filters down to the split groups and the other sorts of things around the community and, and they form their little tribes. You know, even, even yep. in, in, um, in literature these days, people are talking about, oh, you need to form a tribe. In business, we need to form a tribe, right? And, you know, because it creates a sense of community and all the rest of it. And, and maybe that's just part of the problem. I mean, in, in terms of answering a question, who do we trust? I agree. There's, I, I can't think of any macro group that could be trusted. And that's, whilst I'm not, whilst I'm not anti-globalization um, as an outright policy, I am certainly looking more and more towards micro groups of trusted individuals, people you actually do know, like, and trust. So you know them, not just because you know their name and you know their social media profile, no, because you've met, you've pressed the flesh, um, you know, pre-COVID, of course. Um, you, know, um, you know, you had a beer, had a drink, whatever, you got to know them over at a period of time, or you're just a damn good judge of character, and you you get you get to know their way of being, and you know, and then you like them, and you trust their opinion in certain areas. It doesn't mean you're going to trust them across all things, because you know, um, if I told you how to do brain surgery, I would tell you now, don't trust me because I don't know how to do it, right? But if I was to give you these instructions, reading from a book, well, you can read the damn book yourself. So there's certain things you'd be trusting people in not. So I'm looking at those little micro things, you know, those, those I'm looking at micro cells to be able to create a, a circle of... Do you remember the, you remember Meet the Fockers? Yes. Yeah. Right. The old CEO, what was the guy's yeah, buddy? Um, De Niro, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, he was ex-CI and he had that circle of trust in the family. Well, that's sort of... <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of thinking that without the uh, extreme bullshit <laughs> storyline. <laughs> 
But, you know, but yeah. let, me, let me give you an example of, of how we're being manipulated. Let's just take this Epstein and, and uh, was it Ghislaine Maxwell thing, right, and Prince Andrew. Yep. So you've got to ask yourself, where's the real profit for Epstein and, and Ghislaine Maxwell? Where's the real profit for them? It, it's, it's small potatoes. Somebody must have been using them, right, as a tool for their to gain leverage over these people, okay? Mm-hmm. But the, and, okay, so let's take that as a fact. Then we say, but then what's the value of getting leverage over Prince Andrew? Now, we're all focusing on that man is guilty. Absolutely, that man, that man, that man. Or you might be saying, no, he's not guilty, he's just naive and stupid. Probably both at the same time. He's guilty and stupid and naive. But he's irrelevant in global things. He's, he's in irrelevancy. So why is he the focus? Because they're taking the focus away from the reality, which I, it's a theory. Work it out for yourself. Maybe I'm wrong. But he is the focus because they want to undermine the royal family. He's not relevant. The royal family is relevant. You follow what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So by undermining Andrew, um, and we're looking at Andrew as a, as, a, as a standalone individual person, but it actually he's the lever that's being, I think, being shoved into the royal family to hook them out. Now, <clears throat> the point I'm making is, Nobody in the news is even throwing up that particular scenario, that particular theory. It's just him, him, him. And nobody's asking the question, where's the profit for Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein? I mean, okay, there would have been a little bit of money involved, but there was so much money involved, that island and all of the the airport, the flights and, and everything else that went on. Somebody must have been putting in resources, cash and, and impetus aside from Maxwell and, and Epstein, but nobody's actually going behind that. And and we're just being fed, you know, the very veneer, this opaque veneer of information and nothing behind it, and that's what's giving me the shits, to be yeah, honest. Listen, yes. I agree, mate. Two, two things about that. One is, um, and, and the, more, the, the bigger picture side of it is you're absolutely right, there is something else behind it, uh, and by by mainstream media and justice departments taking care of the um, of the, 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 the Maxwell-Epstein part of the episode. They can be seen to be doing their jobs. They put a cur- they, 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 they draw the curtain on it and it's done. Oh, look how wonderful this is. But the real thing that's happening behind it never gets exposed, never gets seen, never gets heard of. That's number one. Number two is that you have to ask yourself, right, you know, why would they, you know, because people say, oh, they got all the money. It's not about the money. Why would they go and do it? And the answer is actually in the question. Because when you know how um, a lot of people who have a lot of money, I'm not saying all people, God, the, you know, the world would be a terrible place if this were the case. But there are a lot of people who have a lot of money that they can do anything. They could do literally anything. And so life becomes mundane and boring. And so they have to go out and push the thing. You see it already to a lesser degree with a lot of TV celebrities and movie celebrities who get a, you know, what they think is a lot of money, not the money that we're talking about in terms of that percentage, that small percentage of people, but they get what's proportionally a lot of money and it is a lot of money for a lot of people. And then they go crazy with drugs and, 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 and all sorts of other things, which just, you know, um, to a degree at least, which is maybe not the best way of doing the best way of being in the world, but they go crazy with drugs and sex and all sorts of shit. Right. Um, and quite often just 
commit suicide or are killed and whatever. But uh, they do it. Why? Because, well, they can. Life has become bought at their level. Their glass ceiling is here. They've reached their glass ceiling. And, of course, the people we're talking about, their glass ceiling is, you know, sort of Burj Khalifa high, right? These guys, they have a glass ceiling somewhere around Crystal Palace height. And so they get there and it's like, okay, where else can I go from here? I got the money. Let's just go and do some shit. So they push yeah. the boundaries. It's sort of like, it's sort of like with sex, you go and do something. Once you finish with missionary position, okay, just turn it around and try something else. And you get finished with that. What else can we do? And then they push and push and push and push. And that's what I believe is the, the second point. What what that would be part of the motivation why these guys get involved, apart from possible manipulation from higher up, which is the part we'll, well never hear. That's 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 you know I, they're obviously using as you as you pointed out the the frailties of human nature to want to push the limits to get the um the forbidden fruit and and that's so they get a little piece of forbidden fruit and they just go to here and here and, and that's risky and that that risk is tasty but then they go to here and they go that's normal now so we've got to go this further that much further and then that, and that becomes normal then you got to go here and here right but here's I want to throw something in the mix. Go. With regards to Prince Andrew, very quickly. Mm -hmm. We know that there is a push for a one-world government, mm -hmm. a new world order, a one-world order. The problem is when you have significant countries such as England who have a monarchy, and although the monarchy doesn't rule the country, it does have certain powers, although to this point, the 1970s with Fraser and Gort and, and Gough Whitlam aside, they don't really interfere with the politics, but they have the power to veto certain things, okay? So whilst ever Holland has got a royal family, now I don't know what, how much impact they have on the, if they're the same as the uh, the British royalty as far as, far as over, overarching power, although it's never used. I don't know where, where they sit. Denmark's got a royal family. You know, England, there can't be a one-world order because you can't have... A, um, a, a central control whilst you've got these monarchies that, that can control the um, parliament. Admittedly, they don't use the, the power now, Goff and so forth back in the 70s aside, but it's there. They can do it. So what? that's why when I'm going back to Prince Andrew. I think he's the lever to try and get England to become a republic and have all the power of the monarchy stripped out of them altogether no contact with parliament whatsoever because there's this push for the one world order for the one world government which globalization was 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 an initial step of and the united nations was a step before that as well now we're moving closer and closer even uh, two popes ago he talked about being the leader of the, the religious leader of the one new world order go figure so, <laughs> So I, I suspect that this whole Maxwell thing, Clinton and all the others, they're all important, all that kind of stuff, but I think the focus might be Prince Andrew because he's the lever to, to get the royal family out of that position of power over the parliament. Call me crazy. Where's, where's my no silver hat? I'll tell you what, mate. That's not crazy at all because... You know, uh, there was this there was this big push during the Cold War to bring down the bring down the communist uh, communist East, right? 
and the focus was almost in, almost entirely on the Soviet Union, right, the USSR. And indeed, when the Soviet Union started to collapse, then other bits started to collapse. The Soviet Union started to ease up. Then East Germany went, yeah, mm -hmm. and it all started to fall apart. The focus, however, was and 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 in, whilst all that was happening, no one was really worried about China. Oh yeah, they'll fall in place. Even Maggie Thatcher was convinced that China would collapse when the Soviet Union would uh, collapse, right? But it didn't. So the UK collapsing could be like the Soviet Union slash East Germany of the monarchies of the world. The yes. question then is, you know, is raised, okay, if that is the case and all the monarchies sort of fall in line because the people rise up and say, yeah, you know, whatever, over a period of 10, 15 years, which country's monarchy will be the equivalent of China and not give up but will come through. And for my money, it's going to be one of two, and it might be both. It's going to be either Saudi and or collectively the UAE. Yeah? Probably yeah. Saudi. Yeah. And then that's a really dangerous thing, right, that the last remaining yeah. monarchy is a dry monarchy, you know, like uh, they put as soon as they put money into somewhere, uh, like like they did with um, with um, Sharjah in the UAE, right? Yeah, they gave they they lent money to Sharjah and one the terms all have to go dry. So if you, you even get caught with a bottle of wine in the back of your car in a brown paper bag, you go to jail, irrespective, right? So that's a dangerous situation. But I agree, and and that's probably that's probably why. Andrew is a lever for that because it's like it'll yeah. be like a, a domino effect. It's only a theory. So it's not crazy. I'm not at all. A I, I totally, I totally, yeah. You know, um, Mate, and it just seems to me Tim, he's Tim, so insignificant Tim, Tim otherwise. You what, sorry? Hmm. Yeah. I said people can put their tinfoil hats away. It's a theory. Whether people want to call it a conspiracy yeah. theory or not it's up to them because a theory is just a theory whether it's a conspiracy or not comes down to the uh, the the perspective of either the observer of the theory or the theorists themselves yeah exactly and i'm not talking bilderberg and i'm not talking lizard people i'm not quoting david Icke or anything like that i'm just thinking why would would prince andrew why would he be such a significant figure when all these others have been mentioned clinton etc etc why are they focusing on Andrew? Because he's the one that's the lever. The others are yeah. irrelevant by comparison. Their bolts been shot. Makes me also wonder why Harry got out. Ah, that was my next thought. Yep, that's exactly why, right. Why did Harry get out? Why, you know, um, why is the focus on Andrew? Why did the you know why did the queen miss the opening day of the race, which she has not done ever? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, there's this COVID thing, and 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 Philip is 99, and she's whatever. Like, dude, if there is anyone in this entire world who can put a big enough friggin' bubble around themselves to protect themselves <laughs> from from someone breathing on them, then it's yeah. got to be the Queen of England and Prince Philip going the races. Yep. You cannot tell me that that's not a possibility, right? And, and and no, they're they're at Windsor, and that's where they're staying. I don't think so. 
Then, of course, there's the thing with uh, with her seal being taken down from Buckingham Palace gates. It's There's a lot of questions which just aren't being answered right now, but it'll become, by the time we get the answers and we saw, because we see what's happened, it'll all feel normal to everybody. And there and look, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, and it's not a case of one thing. The seal on itself, you go, oh, that's interesting. Why did they take the seal down and then get gone, forgotten about? It's irrelevant. But then Harry's gone. And then this thing with Prince Andrew. Then there's the, the lack of attendance at the races. And then there's this, and there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this. And you go, hang on, what's going on here? What the hell? This is, these, these are all connected somehow because it's never happened before. These things have never occurred in, in years of each other, let alone within weeks of each other. So what yeah. is going on? And, and again, who do you trust? All you can do is come up with theories, come up with thoughts, and express them, but really, who do you trust to get the truth? There's no one out there. Um, yeah. In terms of, in terms of um, the trusted news, turn on to Channel Nine, the trusted news, or whoever says that. You know, really, really, I can't even trust that statement. <laughs> hey, briefly, so in going to the final ten of our uh, our episodes today, like we were talking about left and right and all the rest of the four. And who do we trust, and 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 why is the focus on a certain person? What are your? I, I have a particular theory about this. So I know you're not. I know you don't like Trump, and and I do. Um, uh, you know, for me, the whole BLM movement is is a, a, a load of shit, uh, and it's just a it's just a funding mechanism for the Democratic Party, which you know. Uh, is just using that as another way of enslaving the blacks of America, yet looking like they're doing a great freaking job. Um, and so you have Joe Biden and you have now Kane West coming into the party. Oh, Kane, West being a, Kane West being a Republican, right? Yeah. A black Republican, right? So my... <laughs> and, and, and Joe Biden... Has been they've been keeping him in hiding. You know, everyone talked about bloody uh, Trump going into the bunker for an hour when, or his, his you know, Secret Service taking him into the bunker as a security precaution when the whole rioting broke out initially, and then he came out again. But Joe Biden's been bunkered down forever, not answering questions. And when he does come out, there are like three people at a conference, right? Um, I reckon Joe Biden is a bit of a red herring. He's just he's just like a defensive linebacker, running defense. Whilst the real candidate is going to come forward probably just before the just before the the uh, the debates, and then of course Kane West announces, which he's done before, right? He did in 2015 at a concert. He announced, "I'm going to run for president." Right? Um, no one really took it seriously, and then Trump comes up and he runs for president. Now, of course, he's come. Now, of course, last minute, like really eleventh hour stuff, he announces he's running for president. Do you reckon he's just a distraction? I mean, I reckon Joe Biden's a distraction for the real candidate. And Kane West, I'm not against the guy, not at all. Don't know enough about his policies. He seems to have, you know, read a bit about him, uh, and just not just now, but before. But um, I reckon the the late entry into the game is is either a distraction or a hedging of bets that they can flip out if it gets too bad with Trump at the last minute. They can flip over to a black Republican, get the second black president of the United States. You know, sort of reminds me of that bloody rap by Blowfly, the rapper in the first black president of the United States, which was so racist it was crazy, right? Um, but, you know, 
that's what it sort of that's how it comes across to me. Disingenuous. We're just putting two candidates forward so that the real candidates can battle it out later on. I was really surprised when um, Biden won over um, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I thought Sanders had more energy. I think he had more connection and empathy with the the market, the, you know, their market. And I think the market was more attracted to him than Biden. And he's been doing it since the '60s. He's been out there, you know, uh, speaking out loud for the people. Whatever his agenda is, that may be another thing. But I'm talking about how it seems, how it is to be mm -hmm. seen. And yet they got this robot. And I think the reason that he uh, he hasn't been seen is because they've gone back to Elon Musk, who actually made this robot called Biden. And they're trying to say, the batteries are not lasting long enough, mate. The batteries are just not lasting. You've got to have a, give us a better battery. And it's the same thing with Pence. You haven't seen anything of him lately because I think his batteries run down. They've gone back to Elon and say his battery's not working either. They need we a just, Dyson just got the, You what, sorry? They need a Dyson battery. Apparently they're better. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's a lot of lines I could use there, but I won't. But yeah, um, they're all a bunch of suckers, Elon aren't they? Let me, let me let you continue. But just on Elon Musk, the interesting there, though, is he's backing he's backing Kane West. He said, you know, I'll back you. you know, he's going to finance Kane West. Really? Yeah. That's the best. That's the best he can come up with, Kanye yeah. West. Yeah. Really? And you want to buy one of his cars? I don't think he's going to be in cars much longer. I mean, you and I no. both know the problems that electric cars and batteries and have with regard to resources. And Simon was on main unstream the other week, uh, telling us all about that. Right? I think I think Musk. You know, he's in SpaceX and all the rest. Of it. I think he's he's you know just biding his time, biding his time <laughs> in in <laughs> biding again. Yeah. In Tesla to make the jump because Tesla, under the current technology, like all electric cars, it's not got to, this is nothing to do with Tesla. Electric cars, current technology, unsustainable, not doable, and that industry will fail unless the they they get a better technology with a resource which will actually be available and cheap enough and not cost the planet as much as it's going to cost. If it even if the plant even had the resources, anyway. So I thought I mentioned Elon Musk. Didn't want to interrupt your flow. Go for it, mate. <laughs> My flow is gone. <laughs> yeah. what, what was I saying? Damn. Yeah, just Damn. Flow. Let me go and get a whiskey, and I'll get it back again. <laughs> oh, mate, that's what we do next time. We do gobsmacked like a like a. You can leave your hat on. It'll be easier. I think so. I don't care that it's ten o'clock in the morning. I'll have a whiskey. <laughs> Mate, somewhere oh. it's good. <laughs> exactly. Somewhere not, in the world is Munich, gonna be right? You what? Yeah, but when I'm in Munich, eight thirty in the morning, you go down to Spurkmeyer in Munich, right? Which is in the center of town, basically. And they've, you know, for hundreds of years, they were winning, like like Michael Schumacher in the Formula One. But for hundreds of years, these guys won the Vice Force, the White Sausage competition of Munich, right? And their their Vice Force is really phenomenal. But at eight thirty in the morning, you go there. And you'll see these 80-plus-year-old grannies sitting there having their vice force, their half-litre of vice beer, usually getting a second, and their Breedson for breakfast. It's a very civilised place to have breakfast. Absolutely. And the Italians, they have their grappa at 8, 9 o'clock in the morning with their coffee. Yep. I know. I work with some Italians. And every 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 morning at 9, 9.30, we'd go up to, their, to Nonna's place and she'd make us um, 
coffee with grappa in it. And they don't seem to have a drinking problem like we do here in Australia. You know? No, absolutely uh, actually, that's not. Interesting. It's, not it's like going. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I remember Simon, Simon, you know, Simon show, he was saying that in Europe they drink more often than we do here in Australia, but just in smaller amounts. Whereas we tend to binge here in Australia. We just don't know how to consume alcohol um, with any sort of sophistication or civilization. We just throw it down our bloody throats. Whereas the Europeans, they might have, you know, three or four drinks a day of various sorts and various sizes, but they're small amounts over a long period, not huge amounts in one short burst and then ending up spewing it on the floor. We're very uncivilized here in Australia. We need to pick up our game. We are, and we blame de- we blame the demon alcohol as opposed to ourselves. You know, I remember just just on that point of small amounts, and you know, four or five times a day. I remember, <laughs> I remember being in Hungary. We were negotiating some stuff, and the uh, negotiations started at nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, this was still when Hungary was Eastern European, right? And so mm-hmm. <laughs> these uh, waiters would walk in, all dressed up, and with a, a tray full of uh, schnapps glasses and an ice cold bottle of Barak Palinka, uh, and they'd pour it. And uh, so a little, you know, little schnapps glass, and it'd be, uh, you know, cheers, uh, and down it goes. And every hour on the hour, until about three in the afternoon, um, so it was seven times a day, they would come in again. I swear to God, it was one of the best negotiation tactics they could ever do, unless you were aware of it, because by, you know, by the third or fourth, you'd be like, can I just, can I just get a water? <laughs> like, can I just have a water, please? yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give an inch until I get a water. <laughs> yeah, you'd be lucky to give an inch from what I hear. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not uh, gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> anyway, Listen, so we, you know, we should close this up. Back, However, back. yeah, I just wanted to say you heard it here first, folks, Andrew. Prince Andrew is the lever to get rid of the British monarchy. And once the British monarchy falls, all European monarchies will fall in line. As good as they may be in general, I mean, everybody yep. seems to love the Danish royal family. There never seems to be any real um, uh, scandal from the Dutch royal family. All seems to be above board. What other European nations have got yep. a royal family that's prominent? I don't know, apart from England. Um, doesn't Norway? I mean, you know, the, the Dutch royal family doesn't really have scandal since uh, since William Alexander jumped up and his old man, you know, who was considered to be a Nazi, whatever. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, mm. I'm probably getting that one wrong. There was some connection there, but uh, yeah, they they don't have any scandals these days. And uh, apart from you know, of course, when when uh, his wife, you know, the Queen now Maxima, her old man was part of the uh, Pinochet regime. Uh, he wasn't even allowed right. at that wedding. That's all been settled and people don't care anymore because she's a lovely person. They have these children, which are gorgeous kids, and, and they do great things for the country and they do great things for the world. So, but, yeah, they're going to fall. Everything, once 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 the UK falls, all those will go. And I don't know how many yep. royal families have to Google it, but they will all fall in line in Europe. Um, and then it's just, okay, like I said, there'll be the Middle East and that'll probably be the remaining only remaining sovereignty, you know, mon- sorry, monarchy. Yeah. In the world. And that would be the hard one to control. Yeah, so then you're going to have a battle. The, the, the new superpowers will be the Middle East versus 
Chinese controlled Asia. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. And, uh, and, and yeah. possibly. Ah, oh, I just got handed a question. Oh, a, view, uh, a viewer question. <laughs> I have an audience here of several thousand people. Yes, awesome. <laughs> about three minutes to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just um, there was a thing on TV today about TikTok. You, you oh, see yeah. TikTok? Yeah, not right. on the Chinese. It's owned by a Chinese company. And I haven't seen the article. I don't know if you've seen it, but there was some reflection on it that it's a bad thing. Uh, I'm not sure. Have you heard anything about it at all? I know, I know of TikTok. Research. Hmm? Yeah, I know of TikTok. I've tried it out. Saw it as completely useless for my purpose. Um, you know, I know it's also a Chinese app amongst a whole a plethora of Chinese apps which are out there, which I've checked my phone for, and I'm you know, gradually uninstalling that which I absolutely don't need. Um, I haven't seen the article. What what was the general? Just the article. I don't know. I just got handed. I just got handed a question. You know, that's it. That's all I got. I thought maybe you knew something about it, but anyway. What, what was I mean, the, I don't see the point. Why? And it was recently no, sold for billions and billions of dollars too. You know, a platform that puts up 15-second videos. These tech companies are spending billions on stuff, and you go, what the hell are you up to? How much more advertising do you need? And, and why do we need this in our life? Just 15-second videos, really? Well, you, you know you know who was who went hard on telling people to use TikTok in the beginning? Yeah. Gary V. Yeah? yeah? What's his connection? Or what's his motive, do you think? Know. I don't know, but he was he was pushing people like, oh, you want to make a position, make a, a space for yourself, go and own the TikTok space. You know, I don't know if he has a connection there or not, but the, he was pushing hard on people. You know, hey, you know, every, like it was one mm. of those questions. Hey, what should I do? I'll get on TikTok. Well, what should I do with X? Get on TikTok. I'm like, really? Get on TikTok? What do you do with fifteen seconds? You know, at least with Pinterest, know, you've got photos that you can sit there for hours and look at, but. 15-second video is gone in 15 seconds, unless it's on loop. Mate, meat, if, 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 you, if you believe the meatloaf song, it's 45 seconds of ecstasy, so 15 seconds just doesn't cut it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. On that note, anyway, sir. On that note, let's shut it down for the week. Thanks very much uh, for everyone who's been viewing and uh, for the uh, especially for the audience questions. We'll have to have a live audience again soon. Uh, yes. <laughs> To the build, build it up again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be back. Um, what's what is today? Today's Monday. Yeah. Let's just let's do yes. this again on a Monday. Yeah. Great. Gives yeah. people something. Okay, to talk about next week. Monday. Yep. Same back channel. Same. Back. See you then, mate. Right, Have a good one. Take care. You too. Cheers. See you Bye. later.